be with the Lord. We want to be in his presence and we want to see him move. And he also said, if you move mountains, if you prophesy in my name, but you don't know me, then it's a waste. <laughs> and so how do we continue to pursue the presence of God and not have it be pursuing a feeling? I'm so going to walk into that box. What do we look like? How do we not just be hearers of the word, but doers? How do we not walk away from a mirror and forget? Especially when sometimes we want to forget because my view of myself might actually feel nicer than the one that I see reflected. <clears throat> and I think we have to come back to what does God look like? Um, What does God look like? Because otherwise I can't know what I look like. I'm doing spiritual warfare this week. Who is God? Who am I? What am I called to? I cannot know who I am if I don't know who he is because I am meant to be a reflection of him and made in his image and transformed to that. And we forget. And when we forget what he really looks like because we're not spending that time, then I'm upset because he doesn't behave in the way that my perception is but he's behaving accurately to what's in the mirror. I just am not going back. <laughs> and we need to have that washing every day because if I pull back from my lineage of really seeking the Lord and experiencing the Lord, and I can do that and I can live off of that history, but my memory gets confused over time, right? And so I need to be rewashing that daily, even if it's the exact same verse that I already can recite. But if I'm not meditating on that, then it's reciting, not being transformed by. We so quickly blur our remembrance of him. And he's still there, but then we wonder why it's not transformative, because I'm not doing the work to actively see him clearly. And then the application is where I'm transformed. <clears throat> Philippians 3, verses 10 through 16. I'm not going to do the whole thing. But in the Amplified Version, this was posted in my house my whole life. Everywhere we moved, which was a many a time, we would take this uh, long uh, art project, basically, that we had created and figure out a new place to put it in our house because it is my determined purpose. And I would know him. Like, what if it was just that? It is my determined purpose that I would know him. That I would be progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Memory doesn't cut it for that. A podcast doesn't cut it for that, and I'm a podcast kid. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in that same way come to know the power, the overflowing of his resurrection. That we just blow past. which is exerted over the believers that we share in his sufferings as to be con continually transformed into the spirit of his likeness. I need to look at him. Otherwise, I really think I'm seeking his presence, but I'm seeking a feeling of his presence. And I become like Lucifer. I become like the disciples who in his presence still doubted and weren't convinced. His disciples at the resurrected Christ, moments before the ascension, it says, and some still doubted, which is reassuring for me as I'm figuring my stuff out. But it means I can't be chasing a feeling or something supernatural as an experience. 
I need to look at him, I need to be with him, and I need to do the work of being transformed into his likeness. What does God look like? It's from that posture that we go, hey, what do we look like? Am I actually reflecting him? Or am I reflecting myself and wanting relationship with him? Great, want relationship with him, pursue that. (laughs) But if I'm not looking more and more like him every day, then I'm missing it. I'm missing the command and also the promise. And it is not God that failed. It is me that didn't continue to come and align. And we, excellent. Um, This is why Mish shared a couple weeks ago on our core beliefs and values and not just knowing these, but joyfully embracing. Joyfully embracing our beliefs. And there are some of them that I am more naturally passionate about than others, but I want all of them. And I can joyfully embrace that. Holiness, I like as an idea, not as a practice. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I, kn- I w- know that I want to embrace that in my life, even though it's going to cost me. And it's going to cost me in my relationship with you. Witnessing. <laughs> Intimidating. And, and I don't need to pretend like it's not, but I also joyfully embrace that. This is a core belief, not because I'm in YWAM, but because the Lord said. I think Gwendy was talking about being decentralized last week. She's like, that's a good one, I guess. (laughs) Um, And that it's hard to put our heads around it and move on. But I really joyfully embrace that. When I want order, I want to be able to set things up and walk away. But I embrace... (laughs) being decentralized, because that actually requires us to wait on the Lord together and to always be growing. And for Angel, who actually isn't adaptable, it reminds her that she's not always right, which I need. (laughs) Knowing what we actually look like is coming back to that and going, hey, is this what I recite or is it what I joyfully embrace? If so, then it transforms my life. Over the last three, four months, I have heard from more than four different former YWAMers. Some of them were with us six months ago. Some of them were with us several years ago. And unsolicited on my WhatsApp or my messenger, Angel, I have really struggled living with my family who are believers but not actually being transformed (laughs) And I keep coming back to these values that were said over and over, and I tried to figure out how to apply. And now I'm able to hold fast, and I'm able to continue to cultivate my hunger and my relationship with God, even though my family's not, and not preach at them, but work for transformation. Because I worked these values into my life, and these beliefs into my life, not just reciting them. Angel, I'm in university, and they're crazy. I know. Um, And what do I, I I don't know how to do this in a secular environment, and it's so tempting, except every time I even want to join with what they're about, it's, I want to and it's off-putting, because I can tell it doesn't actually line up with who I am anymore, just what I want, (laughs) because these values have been inside of me, uh, within families, in a secular environment, uh, in their church, when they're building out of nothing. Hey, there wasn't any connection point that existed, so I've started my own Bible study. I don't like speaking out loud. I don't like being in groups. I just like kind of showing up and hiding in the background, but there was a need in myself and in these people, and so I need to be a part because these values are stabilizing and of the Lord. Yes. But none of those were people that taught on the subject, and none of them were doing this in response to a, hey, can you share a testimony? When I hold to these, they're transforming. They empower us to trust each other. Because if I'm joyfully embracing this, and Joanna's joyfully embracing this, then, okay, 
our personalities are different, what we're passionate about and what we're going to pursue now and for the rest of forever of our lives, that's okay because we share this. It empowers us to trust and it preserves trust. But that only works if we, what Tom Alice says, if we deal with rogues. If we are honest with each other when there is a misalignment. Because if I continue to allow that, then there isn't trust. There is manipulation and control. And you don't feel trusted if Gwendy's got serious heart issues and I don't address them with Gwendy. Then I need to move to kind of suction her off because my trust is lacking. But also she feels that lack of trust and doesn't even know what to fix. And then also you observe that and now all of us become we don't necessarily become less godly. It could just be Gwendy. But we become less unified because we have chosen control over relationship and over leaning in. We need to deal with those things. It is okay for me to wrestle with my values. It is not okay for me to pretend they're my values when they're not or for me to say that I do not value them if the Bible has said so. <clears throat> and as a community, we need to learn how to do that. Otherwise, again, we are seeking the presence of the Lord, but as long as Gwendy's not involved, or as long as somebody follows behind her and ties it up, how do we, all of this is about how do we seek his presence? That's, that's my through line today. We've got to do this. We've got to figure out how to do it amongst each other, how to have real conversations that come out of who we are. Hear God. Hold on. Don't quit. And you joyfully embrace beliefs and values and operate as a movement. Gwendy convinced us that we are, even though we have organizational elements, and we should. But yes, we are and stuff. What do we do with that? It's okay that it's confusing for us, and it's okay that it's confusing for others. Being a movement is confusing for us. Okay, but I'm meant to seek the Lord and obey him, not to understand. Understanding is fantastic, and we want to grow in that. But what I need is to listen, to obey, listen and obey. <clears throat> because we're a movement, it is so hard to write policy. Um, I got to, had to do some of that over this past year. And I'd go into Darcy's office and go into Jenny and be like, <sighs> it's not a good time. Um, because it's a lot of paperwork and that's not my jam. But because how do you create policy and procedure that you need legally and to function well, but where, it, where it's a guidepost that empowers safety and strength, but doesn't restrict what God is saying? and what he's calling us to. It would be so much easier to just have rules and then remove the need for discipleship. But it wouldn't be better. I want to do that, and sometimes I want people to do that to me. Just tell me what the rule is. But we're New Testament believers, and the movement that God has called us to needs some organization in it, but needs to remain a movement. We see the wrestle with this in the early church too, which makes me feel better. I like to not be alone. Okay, what rules and clarification do we put on the church that, that don't stop it from being what it is and having a different reflection based off of its location, but, but do preserve our unity? You see them. And what I love is you see them seek the Lord in that, and then they go, hey, this is what seems best to us in the sight of the Lord. Not, thus says the Lord. They are very clear in the times they're like, yo, God said these things. Don't mess around. But they're also like, hey, these seem good to us. This is what we're going to commit to. <laughs> and the integrity in that, and not becoming more defined because it is easier, but just enough definition to allow us to move forward. This is why, because we're a movement, we try to not be uh, as much about a title or a role, right? Even the leaders that we have on base, in general, the vast majority, it's event-based leadership instead of role-based leadership. 
when I was in Go Teams <laughs> for a little while there, a few different times, there were three to four different ministry leaders, and we were all working on the same projects together. Right? Sometimes we'll have two different school leaders in the kitchen together for long seasons. Because, okay, you are a leader for this thing. You also carry leadership. You carry the qualities and character of a leader across the center. But we're not like, oh, this is your zone, this is my zone, and those don't overlap. We're co-heirs. And so as we're figuring out who's going to be the point person for something or the leader of something, it's about what God's saying, their anointing, their experience, and what's going to be possible. I want more than one person to weigh in on something. And I want more than one person who's not going to think the same thing. Otherwise, there wasn't a reason for them getting together. I want different perspectives and opinions. Not I want sin and selfishness. We already dealt with that. But I want a different viewpoint, right? And then in the end, whatever decision we've made, I'm sure that we don't all think, this is exactly the way I would want to do it. That would be beautiful, but I have yet to experience one of those elders' meetings or one of those times where we set up an outreach anywhere. (laughs) That doesn't happen. But what does happen is that elders, we leave the room and we go, none of us thought this was the singular best idea. However, it is the idea we're going to go with. And we're collectively committed. But I want that different viewpoint. I talk to Gwendy a lot because we view things differently. And that is good for me. Also, her brain is organized and mine is not. So she's God's gift to my life. But I need that different view. And so I'll want her in the room. Collaboration is what's required in a movement. Not just dictation and not a hierarchy, but how do we collaborate in that space? That's, um, this is called a murmuration of birds, which is fun. Um, but when it's not just that they're flying in a bee and going this direction, but you see this swarm going a little bit this way and a little bit that, but staying together in this place of uh, preserved unity and safety uh, and a united purpose. Uh, and that's us. We want to be adaptive and we want to be innovated, innovative. And because I'm not adaptive, I for sure need your help. <clears throat> but we need this. And it's hard because it's... Huh, skipped over a whole part, that's fine. It's, it's hard because um, it means perpetually being subject to one another, which is really what he commanded in Ephesians 5 anyway. It's so much easier for me to say, this is what we are going to do. Even I think it's a terrible idea, but we need an idea, so we're going this way. That is so much easier than me continually coming back and recircling and seeing what you have. It's so much easier in worship to simply have the worship leader and everybody else accompanies wherever they're going. But it's not the same as when they build off of one another and what God is telling each of them. Be subject to one another, not a reverence for Christ, not out of reverence for them. So that's nice. It's hard to collaborate because I need to be subject. It's hard to collaborate because I need to communicate all the time. I'm never done. And then we're a transient community, so I'm really never done. And it's hard because I need to hold things open-handed. We made this decision. Excellent. But I can't put it on the shelf and walk away because that's not going to work. And I can't just hold my fist around it because it's going to change. Or else it's going to become just my way and y'all better come along or do your own thing. And that's really difficult. It's also more glorifying to the Lord and more purifying in us. Right? So it's hard, but it's powerful because it glorifies God. And it exposes when we're not which is uncomfortable, but we need that for our purification. It challenges us and it matures us. And it fosters a deeper unity. I'm really good when Nicole and I see things the same way. When we don't see things the same way and we figure out how to collaborate and work together anyway, our trust deepens. We were fine before, but there wasn't a need for trust. 
right? But when we pick something else that wasn't my idea or wasn't hers or wasn't both, and we stick to it together, we sought the Lord together and we stick to it together, oh, there's an establishment between us that can't happen without. And this is what allows us to respond to the rhema word of the Lord. Um, Whereas a hierarchy and uh, an organizational model, it is so much harder to stop this huge steam liner from going this way and turn it this way. So it's more work throughout and more purification throughout, but allows us to be much more responsive. Okay. How do we do that? Dave really likes talking about swarming bees, so we're going to. Um, because they are a useful model. What's like bees don't, they have a queen, sure, but she doesn't tell them what to do every day. Um, but they have this united purpose of what they're about. And for their very short lives and their very small amount of quanti- uh, small quantity of honey that each one of them produces, it's highly effective. <clears throat> and so, us as a movement the same, not necessarily every single day taking our marching orders from Dave, but taking our marching orders from the Lord for the direction that God's called us to. So I'm going to give you five principles, as in these are the ones that were highlighted to me while I was preparing this, not as in this is the make or break of all of this, Um, of how to collaborate in a movement. And know your mission and know its authority. There's a lot of things that are of the Lord. Wyoming International and Wyoming Brisbane both have a fine-tuned focus in that. And we value all of this. God has specifically called us here. Bees can do a bunch of things, but their primary purpose is honey, right? The effect of that is pollinization for us. Yay! But their purpose is this, and they know that that's what it is. A couple guys, particularly in a hot, hot summer here, a couple of the bees, their primary purpose is to make sure that the ones that went out and got pollen and stuff don't come back drunk. And they kick them out of the beehive so that they don't make <clears throat> fermented honey, which I think is fantastic. They know, but they know what their goal is. Their goal isn't even protecting people. Their goal is honey. This is what we're doing. We need to know what our mission is, right? We were called Acts 1-8. We were called Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I don't need to go on into this in much detail because we talk about it a lot, and we should. But this is what we're about. And because God is the one that led us to that, that led Wyram and led Wyram Brisbane, and then he led you here. That doesn't have to be all of what you're about in your life, but that is what we're about here. If that's the case, then it has God-given authority. Well, I'm bad at that. Excellent. You will still be fruitful because it's what we're about. Excellent. Some bees come back with next to no pollen. Sometimes it's the flower's fault. Sometimes that bee's just not as productive. But they're bringing what they have. God has called us as a, as a movement. And he's called us to be a body and to be united. Right? And that gives us God-given authority in different spheres even when it seems impossible, which is so encouraging for me. But since this is what he's called us to, and he's the one that did it, then let me step out, even though this is crazy. Because what it produces is on him. Whether or not I'm, I'm moving towards that is on me, right? But then I also want to be honest about what isn't a part of our mission. And what isn't a part of our authority here. That doesn't make it bad, but let me be realistic, because if I think that I need to have expertise in a particular area that isn't what God has called Wyoming and Brisbane to, that is a wonderful desire. But while I'm going to become an expert in that, I'm not doing what God's called us to. Okay, if God's given me both, then how do I begin to pursue this one while I'm still on this mission? Or how do I put it off until later and then pursue it then? It's not bad, but this is what we're about. And we feel this pressure, especially this day and age, where we have to be an expert in everything. And I have to be an expert in what we're about. And then I have an invitation to be informed about other things. But if this is what we're about, this is where the anointing is. 
and I don't want to get distracted. Christine Kane says, there is no aspect of our lives that is immune from drifting. No single person who is not prone to drift. Mission drift is real, no matter how long you've been a part of something. Right? In fact, actually, the longer you're a part of something, the easier it is to make the mission bigger and then not be as targeted or entirely change it because it's, I've done that already, I want to move on to this, etc. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away, Hebrews 2. And that's like the truth of God, and I think it's appropriate for us to also say, and to the calling that he's given us. Common drifts right now. Service or social justice become more important than the gospel, and they displace the priority. I will preach the gospel once I've served. I will <clears throat> preach the gospel, or it will be built in as I pursue social justice. Now, Those are biblical. Let's get on board. But this is my primary target, and so obviously those come with, rather than putting the cart before the horse. Behavior as being more important than transformed hearts and minds. And pursuing a Christian nation over evangelism or discipleship. But if I evangelized and discipled, then a Christian nation is what will come out of it. And we get distracted by good things that God has a heart for. But what is he calling us to? In First Chronicles, it talks about, uh, it's in the context of a battle, but they're like, man, they knew the time they were in and they knew what they ought to do. And there were so many needs, but they knew the time they were in and they knew what they ought to do. Okay, that's what I can do. I don't know the outcome. That's not on me. We want to keep our heart with God and stay informed and stay transformed. If I don't get distracted, then I want to have integrity in my purpose and in my values and in my practices. All of these have to be in line with each other and with the word of the Lord for the structure to be sound and for us to have integrity and authority. Right? If my practices are integrous to what God has called us to, but my values are not anymore then I'm really trying to support something heavy, but I'm hollow underneath, and it's not going to go well. And so often we feel a lot of pressure, but it's because we're not cultivating the internal. We're just trying to perform on the external. Or I'm trying to perform on my own because I didn't want to work on my things with you so that we weren't collectively building. having integrity or consistency in our purpose, our vision, our beliefs, our values, our principles, and our practices. This is what empowers us to truly love one another. And then in turn, be our greatest witness. This is Ken Mulligan's words, but don't settle for for crumbs. I don't, I want to be prepared to sit at the table, not just wait for what comes after. I want to sit at the table of influence and of partnership, not because I'm a leader, because I want to co-labor, <clears throat> which means I need to learn the language of the spheres that I'm in. If I move from one base to another, I want to learn the language and what God's doing in that base, not just presume that it will be the same. If I want to really co-labor with my local church, then I want to learn their language, not wait for them to match mine. <clears throat> and I want to know what they're about and what's effective for them the language of our center. What's the language of Brisbane? The Brisbane church and secular Brisbane. They use different terminology than me, but they're also thinking about different things. If I want to have an influence in that sphere, I need to know what's up. I can buy them a cup of coffee, and that's fantastic, and I can use that for an evangelistic conversation, and that is the goal. But if I really, I don't want to just take a chromatic time. I want to know what's going on. Not so that I'm more in control, but so that I'm more able to co-labor with them. We're so much more effective in state schools when we understand what's happening in them. Although as we come in and we feel real good because we did something and a few people clapped, but we don't know what's going on, right? Or we feel like we did nothing, but it was exactly what was needed. 
how do we know? Seek the Lord and keep showing up. How can I be informed? We feel like God's got something for us that has to do with worldview. And I could go on about that all day, but that means that I need to learn the language of worldview, not to become an expert, but to be able to be at the table and not just take the scraps afterwards. I want to be at the table of influence and partnership. I also want to understand what I bring to the table. So I want to learn that language, but I want to understand what I bring to the table that expresses tangible love and truth and be prepared to communicate that. This is my weakness. I do a pretty good job in myself knowing, hey, here's what I bring. And I can even serve and live that out, but knowing how to communicate that with clarity is a real struggle for me. And so it's like... <laughs> and then we wonder why people don't ask my advice on something. So I'm like, here's what I say. I bring this. <laughs> and I get tongue-tied within myself. Know what you bring. Not so that I force that on you. Not so that you have a name uh, for me. Not so I increase my reputation or my influence so that I increase my ability to co-labor with you. <clears throat> what do I bring to the table? And I want to grow in that and use that to serve. <sighs> don't sell yourself short and don't lower the bar. That requires work on both ends. I sell myself short because of my own insecurities, which means I haven't really done the work to be transformed. And I keep going back to that. And I lower the bar so that you will be happy with me even if I do less. I'm not saying this so that y'all will man up and work harder. That's not what I'm saying. But a movement is always going, hey, put me in, coach. What's my part and how do I grow in that? <clears throat> don't settle for crumbs for you and don't settle for crumbs for somebody else. We need to address our internal poverty mindset when it comes to relationships. That if I link these two people, they now become closer, and I will then have less relationship. Like there's not enough to go around. <clears throat> uh, we need to address our poverty mentality with influence. Well, if I promote this lecturer and this teacher, well, then people won't ask me to teach anymore. Ooh, that means it was about you. Or about that other person. <laughs> Uh, if I promote this person for a leader or if I share this idea that this person had, it will lessen my... Why would it lessen? It increases all of us. <sighs> Our poverty mentality towards relationships influence respect, support, relational support, financial support, um, <clears throat> comfort. Our poverty mentality towards our voice. Man, I, I want... I don't, I don't want to wait for all of the scraps and leftovers, but I also don't want you to. How can I bring you up? How can I make sure that we're hearing your voice because I need it and you need to be heard? Hmm. This requires long-term work, not just a moment. To always be drawing up others and see what they have to offer. And the longer we've been around, the more we need to do it because people aren't gonna interrupt me by and large, unless they're mad. <laughs> so I need to make sure that you know, because I have from a serious face, so that's terrifying. I need to make sure that you know that I wanna hear what you have to say, even if I'm gonna disagree, because I need that disagreement. <clears throat> What's the fruit? It's a movement. We need to always be thinking about, really, is it producing honey, or are we just running around all day? <sighs> Don't get distracted by filling a role, by taking actions that feel good or earn you praise. How do we stay on mission? Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. This is what we're about, and if we're the salt of the earth, but our salt loses its flavor, everybody's screwed. <laughs> What are we about? I need to know if it's about Mitchelton and rural Queensland, we're just going to take that. Then am I really, am I aware of what they already know they're hungry for that I can bring truth to? 
Am I aware of the needs that they know they have as well as the ones that they don't? Or do I just show up? Both are okay. You can just show up, but it's less than what he's called us to. It's less than this collaboration space. If we packed up and left, would the spiritual atmosphere of Mitchelton know the difference? Would the evangelistic movement in Mitchelton be different? If not, then we're missing something. If we packed up and left, would it change the building up of the body of Christ in rural Queensland and New South Wales? Now, they don't need us, Holy Spirit, yay. And they are also at work. I am not saying we are the answer. But if we are not aligned with pursuing that answer alongside them, if there isn't evidence of that, then we're feeling really good about ourselves. (laughs) We're missing it. Even though that was a lot of the time that we have, that's actually the preamble. <laughs> we need to know who we are and what we're about because that is, therefore, how we, what we communicate from. Okay. Uh, is what we, the baseline that we communicate from. Otherwise, we talk about communication tools, but they are disjointed from who we are and what we're called to. And we need to go that way. But our communication is what will empower us. We collaborate because everybody's got a different perspective. Students have a fresh and personal perspective that's untethered to what we have tried before and failed, which is good because sometimes it's what God wants to do now. But I've like ticked that box and moved on because it didn't work. But it is going to work now. And it's untethered by um, the realms of influence that we've been in before. And that's awesome. Staff who have been here for one to two years have a whole different perspective because, again, they have fresh and personal experience. One has a perspective, the other has experience. But again, it's not distracted by history or context. Ministry leaders have a different unique perspective because they have more training and experience in a particular place, and they can see potential hurdles and resources to bring to the table, but have forgotten that freshness. They are seeking the Lord freshly, but we can't have a new perspective more than once. Elders have a different one, again, because they have history and context. They have a long-term vision and long-term relationships. Wisdom and experience and a legal platform. But we can't just go that way because we all miss things. Because I need them all and we all know that we need them all. If we hadn't listened to students and staff in their first six months, some of many examples. I remember being uh, at Easter Fest years ago, a music festival and we're helping the big tent and there's 300 people inside and there's a band playing up in front, and one of our staff was like, she'd just been there for a month, she was like, I think it needs to be a dance time. And I was like, oh, that's so, this is not the place. This is not Byron. Okay. Okay. But, but I don't think it's a good idea, but that doesn't mean it's out of line. And she just got up and started dancing, but then the whole room got up and danced with her, which is surprising because she wasn't that impressive, but better than me, but still. But then because of that, then they all sat back down and they'd, they'd like broken this thing together. And they began to actually talk. And they talked to the wireless that were with them and the randos that were with them in the tent. And we saw this really beautiful discipleship space that I actually heard about for years afterwards because one girl was weird enough to come and dance up in front. <laughs> <clears throat> If we didn't listen to students and staff, we wouldn't have the cafe. It was two students that said, hey, we want to come and do this. Who ended up not being the ones that brought it to fruition. Hey, we want to do this. All right. Let's go. We're not sure if it'll work, but let's go and see. Uh, We also wouldn't have the contacts that we do in Indonesia. We wouldn't have pursued Turkey for a season that then brought long-term missionaries from that space that are continuing to serve. pathfinders wouldn't have been hike-oriented. And that's all right. That is not the point. It is, however, 
the reason why several people came who continue to be on staff and have transformed our community. Friday Night Evangelism has been resurged multiple different times by students or by younger staff who didn't even know we had done it before. And they're like, hey, we have this new idea. <laughs> okay. But it's so much more effective when it comes from that place of a rhema word of the Lord and passion rather than us saying everyone's going to have to go. Which isn't bad either. But this one's always had more life in it. Okay, so we want to listen to people that haven't been here long, but we also want to listen to people who have been around a while. Because we have really hurt long-term contacts and had a really negative impact in multiple different countries. I'd rather not voice those specific examples here. (laughs) Because individuals, be they students or staff, said, "Mm, we know best. Or this thing that we were told probably won't matter. And it still matters to this day, years and years later. We've hurt whole families (laughs) when it seemed like small sin things were left unchecked and hidden We've also wasted heaps of money fixing things because people weren't willing to bring it to the forefront. Because don't tell Gary isn't really the answer for something. That's about control. But hey, this is where we are. What do we do about this? If we did not listen to uh, elders and people that have been around for a long time, Byron Bay Base wouldn't exist because no one wanted to go. And Dave said, we're going anyway. So he went by himself and built some bunks. So they were superb and, <laughs> and forced people to go. Now everybody's like, yes, please. <laughs> he came, we, uh, I won't put that one there. Uh, Japan and us continuing to go consistently there. Malaysia, uh, a lot of our outreach locations have been from, hey, we think this might be something. You're not happy about it, I hear that. We're going to try it anyway. It's both directions, right? Dave came to the elders years ago and he's like, hey, I have this thing to pass it on to her. It's going to be a great idea. We're going to go with a tent into rural Queensland. And we're going to run the whole way. It's going to be great. And all of us were like, hmm. Probably not. And we were honest. I don't think that'll work. I said, I think this is the Lord. We said, okay, if you think it is, let's try it. And so we did. And we spent two years doing it. And it was just this past year that we came across somebody that was like, yeah, I came to the Lord from that. Right? And I watched seven-year-old kids pray for healing for their friends and watched the burns disappear. Right? I watched five-year-olds weep and pray for their parents who always came home drunk. (laughs) And I saw people come to Christ in every single town. And it took, like, I went on 15 out of 17 of them. And it took halfway through for me to be like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Because sometimes it doesn't make sense until we obey and until we lean in. But if we don't lean in, if we don't lean into the cafe because we're like, y'all don't know what's up. Okay, well, then it's not going to work. If we don't lean in to the tour or to Japan because they're hard, well, then they're not going to work. Well, then it probably wasn't the Lord. Sometimes. But sometimes it was us that made the difference. If we don't listen to uh, people that have been here a while, then we evangelize in ways that feel good to us but are ineffective or harmful to our location, to our rural communities. We need them both. We need them both. And when we're trying to, when we're trying to figure out who's in the room, how are we going to communicate, who do we need to have a voice in, uh, in this, right? Then you look for people that have insight and people that have a different perspective than you. Who has experience in this? And who's this going to impact? Right? If they have no insight, not a different perspective, and no experience, but it's going to impact them, I still want them in the room. I want that multiple approach. Right? This gives us different perspectives. It gives us a fuller picture and a better strategy. It's easier and usually cheaper, bonus, and it's more effective when we're together in it, then it multiplies its impact rather than adds one after another after another. So many times we have four different ministries trying to accomplish the same thing. But if we talked to one another, then we would combine our resources and energy and it would have gotten easier and had more of a result. Collaboration. 
costs us, but it rewards. <clears throat> in this, we all grow too. Not just I grow in my experience and Aiden grows in hers, but we collectively grow and more and we do it faster together. Right? This is really often the case when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord. Years and years ago, there was a girl, they were praying before they went out to Friday Night Evangelism, and she went to the group, she's like, hey, I got this picture of this, this guy drinking a half, half full glass of wine. And that's it, he looked like this, this, and this. Color of his shirt, his beard, etc. And they're like, okay. Different person had this word of knowledge about depression. And that was it. Okay, so then they go, uh, to the valley, and not the girl that got the picture of the person, but a third person on the team said, hey, isn't that the guy? Well, if she hadn't shared, he wouldn't have noticed. And she's like, yeah, that's exactly who I described. That's exactly the picture that I saw. And this word of knowledge related to him, and somebody else got a word of wisdom, They're like, hey, what are you planning? He's like, oh, actually, I was going to commit suicide tonight. This was my last, bottle, my last glass of wine before I do so, because my life's a wreck, blah, blah, blah. Huge ministry time comes to Christ. Yay. <clears throat> Which is phenomenal, But the point is, even as God's sharing something, if I presume that I have the whole picture, we're going to miss the opportunity that God has. But what happens when you guys are all wrong? What happens when we disagree? Because that is daily. And if we don't know how to do this in the everyday stuff, then we will not do it when we're hearing the voice of the Lord. If we dance around it today, then when we have a ministry time later and God uh, has a word for us, I'm going to dance around it then too because that's the model that I've created. When we disagree, man, be humble, open, and hungry. Again, be subject to one another. When we disagree, am I living out my values? Am I living out our values in the way that I disagree with you and in what we are pursuing for an outcome? Because as I'm disagreeing with Lizzie, because she's... As I'm disagreeing with Lizzie, I'm like, but I know what God has for us and it's in line with our vision, and it is. But there isn't love and there isn't holiness there isn't prayer in the way that I relate to her, that I'm missing the point. And that might be the single right outcome, but I've fused into it grossness, right? But I also can have the right values with her and not the right values about what we're about. It's not a bad idea. It's just not what we're about. Are we living out our values? (sighs) What will advance the purpose of our movement, which includes then when I disagree about where to put the next lot of paper towels on base? How many washing machines we should have? Or about outreach locations or the timing of a school or what to do with a particular student or staff member? doesn't matter the scale of spiritual importance. Okay, which one's going to help us advance? And maybe all of them will, but if I keep that in mind, then I realize, oh, all of them do. So it's not about the right answer. It's about a way forward, not the singular way forward. And when I shift that, there's all of a sudden oxygen again. As soon as I've come to either or statements, I know I'm missing something. Now, I'm not talking about faffing about about sin. I'm talking about ideas on ways forward. And as soon as I think there's only one singular option when it isn't directly from the Lord, then I'm confining us rather than freeing us. And I'm looking for a hierarchy and a structure instead of a movement. Then we need to submit and commit. Maybe we go with Lizzie's way that I still think is less good than mine. Okay, but we're going to get further committing to hers than we are debating forever. Maybe we don't go with Lizzie's or with mine, but we go with a secret third option that neither of us are happy with, but it is 
the way that we can collectively see. Okay, well, again, we're going to get way farther if I commit to it. Not if I walk away and I'm like, that was stupid. I'll wait till that fails and then we'll do it my way. There's a bunch of things that I would do different. And many of them would work. Some of them would work better, but not a lot. <laughs> but that's not building. That's just controlling. And then it's contingent on me. And so I need to submit to and commit to that outcome and then look to where I can build around it and build it up. Not just do my part and walk away. How am I building towards? Man, there are so many ideas that we hear about two-thirds of the way into something, and we're like, well, guess we're doing that now. Great. How can we support it? This is never the way we would have gone, and if someone had asked my input before, I could have made it easier. However, we're here now. How do we build towards it? Now, if it is misaligned, then how do we address it? But otherwise, great. Let's get, get amongst and around it. Even if something's ineffective, we'll find out that way faster if we're all in. And God works in unity and in obedience. So many times, even in the Bible, where we see uh, that there's unknowns and there's disagreement, right? The disciples, after Jesus died, they're like, was crucified and risen. Okay, we need to replace Judas. They decided. Okay, so they prayed, and then they didn't get a specific word, so they cast lots. Just throw some dice. Because we know that these people have the character God talks about, and it's not about the person. It's about us moving away forward, right? Now, there's a core disagreement between Peter and Paul about what the truth of Scripture was and what the requirements for the church were. Okay, that one can't stay in disagreement. So again, Paul left the mission field and came back and chatted with Peter. <laughs> this disunity, rather than whatever, a disagreement on how to approach something, this is fundamental. We need to sort it out. So they did. This seems right to us. Now, sometimes it's just disagreement on approach, right? Paul, again, Paul and Barnabas have disagreement on what to do with Paul and missionary journeys. And they continue to disagree. Okay, but they say, okay, we're going to do parallel lanes then. Because what you're saying has merit and what I'm saying has merit. But... We're going to be about what we're about. So Paul's going to go alone, and Barnabas is going to take Mark and continue to disciple him. Both of those were still in unity together, even though they had a different view. We need to deal with this stuff, because when we grumble, it's corrosive. When we talk to somebody else instead of to the person of disagreement, it's corrosive to me, to that person, to the entire environment. And when I'm around somebody else who's not bringing a biblical perspective and approach and I'm not dealing with rogues, then I am adding to that corrosion. It's like seeing mold in the shower and saying, it'll be okay, it'll sort itself out. <laughs> As though it will not grow day by day. <laughs> <clears throat> And we allow mold in our community. And we do that if we are older or we've been around a while because we're like, oh, I'm just tired of dealing with this. They don't listen anyway, so what's the point of talking to them? And so we come home and grumble or we sit at our desk and grumble or we go and do on their behalf because they don't know how to do it. None of that builds. It might get the job done, but none of it builds. And we do that when we're younger because we're like, they don't understand. And this is so hard. And no, they won't listen to me anyway. Mm. And none of that builds. <laughs> and it makes my own growth so hard, and I removed myself from support. If we don't do that in our decisions in the everyday, then we're not going to do it as we're listening to the Lord together. In a ministry time, in a worship set, um, when we're seeking God in prayer for a ministry. That's on all of us to when we receive a revelation, say, hey, is that for now? Is it for everybody or just for me?
It's on all of us to interpret. And if I share a word with Zane, it's for me to, if I think God's saying something about its interpretation, that's for me to bring. If I don't think God's saying about an interpretation, it's for me to shut up. And even if I do think this thing, it's also on Zane for him to seek the Lord. And what is that? And if I have a word for all of us, the Bible is clear, then it's for all of us to wait and to discern together. And then how do we apply from there? We all want to see the fivefold ministry of a apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. I think that's all five. We all want to see that function in ministry in our community. But it will function ineffectively or it will not even exist if we don't learn to cultivate the spirit together. God, why isn't your presence coming? He's like, it is, but you have a different view of me than what I actually am. It is, but you're not doing the work to be transformed, and so you're stopping it from having access to do. It is, but you have not learned to wait on the Lord together. So if I share something, it will be misused at best. It is more loving to not share something. Or I will share something, and I will let you be led astray by yourselves. (laughs) If I want to see the Lord move, then I want to use the principles that he gave us. I want for my determined purpose to be to know him and to be transformed into him. And that means everybody, every time. All of this is biblical. Everybody, every time. When we come into community meeting, are we waiting to receive what Dave has to say? And what the worship leaders prayed about for us to sing about? Or do we come and say, all of us, what does God have for this morning? What's my part? I'm not saying all of us should share something. (laughs) No. I'm saying, what is my part? Every time we get together, everybody has something to offer. Am I preemptively asking or am I waiting to see if I like what you have to say? God works in the context of order and edification. He may be speaking to all of us, but if we all speak at once, that's not going to be useful. That is 1 Corinthians 14, angels paraphrase. (laughs) Let one person speak at a time. Have it only be two or three people. Because after that, I'm not saying I wasn't, I, God, wasn't speaking. I'm saying after two or three people, you forgot what the first one said. Or all of them are saying the same thing, but the echo gets more and more distant and harder to hear each time. So, (laughs) two or three, that makes sense. It was his command, but it makes sense why. Because he was going, I want it to be collectively edifying. If it distracts, it may be the Lord, but it may not be for this space. So either we need to grow in our collective ability to deal with distraction and go, oh, but it actually is good for us. Or we need to go, hey, it's not the place. And I'm going to use Mason as an example because it's opportune for me right now. (laughs) But it's good for us to learn how to incorporate kids into our community. And it is good for us, and it is good for Mason. We are collectively strengthened. But also there are times where it is not good for Mason or not good for us. How do you know? You discern. And we figure it out, and that means sometimes we're going to guess wrong. And I have no issue with him crying in the back. That happens, except for I'm sad that he's sad. But that's the same when it comes to expressions of the Spirit. Because God's going to be doing 30 different things in us. And that's good, and he should be. And also, how many of those 30 are meant to be brought forward, and in what way? Are we asking that question? And two or three are meant to share a word, and then everyone's meant to pass judgment. We should not be making a way for everything to apply. Here's a possible theme. I have connectedness, and I want everything to fit because I also want you to be comfortable. Here's the theme. It may be, but it may be that there is a beautiful theme, but it's not actually the thing that God wants to say to us today. 
the thing that he wanted us to focus on. All of those are true and of God, but the thing he wanted us to collectively focus on was that one random aside. Well, then we all need to wait. And we need to be willing to say, oh, that's so good, just not for now. More important, we need to be willing to say, if that doesn't line up with scripture, hey, that's not right. Your heart to share is so good, this one doesn't line up. So let's put this aside. Not you aside, but let's put this aside. Well, how do we learn that unless we share? And I'll wait after we share. So don't shame somebody if they get it wrong. We all grow from that experience, but we only grow if we apply what Scripture tells us. And the rest of the time, we're like, okay, it's scriptural, but I'm not sure if it's for us. I'm not sure if it resonates or somebody else has the same word, duplication, or an interpretation for it, or we see the fruit. I'm not sure. Hey, that might be God. It doesn't resonate just yet, so we're going to hold it right here. And if so, he's going to continue to bring it forward. And if not, that's okay. Well, we need to do that. And that's uncomfortable because we don't do the everyday stuff. But I need to be able to tell Aiden, yo, I loved this. I love the way you shared and I love this part. This part, I'm not sure if it applied. This part, I'm sure it didn't. Otherwise, how can she possibly grow? Or her growth comes at the cost of us, right? And maybe I'm like, hey, this part was good. And I think there are some other parts to leave. And then maybe afterwards I go and talk to her and I'm like, hmm, hey, where was that? Maybe afterwards I go and talk to her and I'm like, oh, actually, I do think more of it was the Lord. And I'm going to come back here and be like, yo, I sidestepped some of what Aiden had to say. We don't just receive it all. We don't just receive and then walk away and then whinge. We receive and we wait on the Lord together with that thing. And if we don't cultivate this, it's not that God won't move. It's that he won't move to the fullness of what scripture promises for us. Now, those are angels' words. That's angels' judgment and statement on that. But I think it's an appropriate conclusion. Accusation is toxic. But discernment brings fruit, even though it's hard. Sometimes the right answer, what is God and what he is saying, is crazy, right? Think about Gideon. Think about Moses. Think about the apostles and what they were told to do all the time. You know, Peter and the other bros in the boat, yo, flip the nets on the other side. That's stupid. God is so weird and so beautiful. So it's not about whether or not it sounds mature or impressive. But we got to know. If pagan pharaohs and kings could know what was the Lord, even though it was a bad word for them, we can know. we got to wait. And we got to be able to be honest, just like they were. Hey, I got a dream. <clears throat> I go and ask all my dream interpreters, and they come back with these beautiful interpretations. And I'm like, that's not it. Go get Daniel. Go get Joseph, depending on the story. And they come in, and they're like, here's the interpretation. You're screwed. You suck, and you're screwed. Clearly, angels paraphrase. But, <laughs> and they said, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly right. If a pagan king can be honest and clear about bad news from God, <laughs> we need to learn to be honest and clear with one another. Post- bring our posture back to holiness. The holiness, the totally set apart God that we serve and are in a relationship with and that we as a community are meant to be set apart. It doesn't fit yet. It's a good thought, but that may not be the time. Thanks for sharing. I don't think that one's right. Those are hard things to say, but we are so much better for them when we do them. And remember that if there's no love, there's no point. We want to keep God's priorities, and we want to seek him. As we were waiting on the Lord for this year, we really wanted to wait on him. But we need to make sure that we know what we actually look like and continue to be transformed. Or else our waiting on the Lord just furthers our confusion and dissonance from the mirror and what we actually look like. So we need to do that first. (laughs) And then we need to learn how we're meant to move together. 
we, YWAM Brisbane, and we need to grow in how we communicate together. So that as we seek him, we really are seeking him, and we do that from a place of purity and totally set apart. It is my determined purpose that I know him. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to what is good. Yeah. So next week, next week on Monday, we're going to spend more time in worship and seeking the heart of the Lord. Some of that will be in song, and some of it probably won't. It is not a ministry time for ourselves unless God changes that direction. It is a time to seek the heart of the Lord. Or if you've been here for a day and are a guest, or you have been here for 30 years, what's God saying? But then when he speaks, is that for me or is that for us? And if it's for us, then let me share and let us all pass judgment on that word. Not on you, but on that word. (laughs) So that we learn to seek him together. But if I'm not doing my part this week, then... I will already be misaligned and have forgotten what I look like by next Monday morning. How do we cultivate that space as a community? Yeah? Truth, trust, values, and communication. Those are what's essential for us. Does this make sense? Can you see the through line? Can I pray for us? God, we want to look like you. So I need to know what you look like. God, increase our hunger and strengthen us so that we will pursue you. We choose to bring the passion, but that doesn't sustain. Increase our hunger and strengthen us. God, we say yes to the hard, nourishing work of community and of moving together. We say yes to the people that we do not enjoy, and we think they are wrong. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening, because they have something that you are explicitly wanting for me to take in my life, and I have something for them. Not someday, but today. So we choose again to say yes. We choose again to be subject to one another and wait upon you. Wait upon you as in waiting for what you have to say and wait upon you as in ministering to. You are worthy. And God, we repent of where we have watered down your word so that it would be comfortable for us or so that we would not have to confront, which again comes back to comfort and convenience. We choose to pick up the fullness of who you are and the fullness of the mission and authority that you've given us. And we do that with joy because it is so life-giving. We choose that fuller way. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 